I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Utah Puck Reports. We're back. Both hosts. Ooh. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, and then the other host. Uh, the G-Man, Gary Michaels. The G-Man, Gary Michaels. Gary, it's good to see you again. Hey, lovely to see you as well. It's been a while. It has been a while. I'm non-essential, so I haven't been able to come into the uh, the building, and I'm also a threat because I'm a firefighter, and they think uh, I'm around I'm around the virus a lot. So this is, this is what we get. This is what I'm we get. seeing more people around the building, so... That's a good sign. Yeah, I was invited in last week. They told me I can come back. So I'm going to start coming back next week. All right, cool. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I uh, want to thank our sponsors. The uh, hey. our, Oh. Hey, no. our, <laughs> want to thank our sponsor, sponsor, Jersey Mike. Yeah, you need to get something going on there. Uh, Jersey Mike Subs, our main sponsor, and we want to thank them for everything. And we have the Burns family on today. We're going to take care of the Burns family, make sure they all get Jersey Mike Subs. And uh, there's a Jersey Mike's Bayou. They t- they do tons of work in the community. I don't know of a of a sandwich shop or of a restaurant that does more work in the community. They're constantly donating. And uh, when the virus first broke out, they were all over the place helping and donating subs everywhere they could. And they were helping firefighters out while we were out, um, you know, bringing in patients and dealing with the, the virus. So anyway, last week, uh, man, they like they had a full day dedicated to right just giving. Every dollar made in every Jersey Mike's went yeah. to. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent of their of intake, not just proceeds, but hundred percent of every every penny they made went to the Make a Wish Foundation in Utah. Yeah, uh, awesome. Very special guests this today. We've got a whole family in, and if if you've listened to several of the shows, you've heard a name come up quite often. Uh, Jeff Levy mentioned him last week, and before that, uh, I'm trying to remember everybody that's that's talked about coach burns and uh and uh, uh eric johnson talked about him and i know steve kind of mentioned him so buzz burns buzz how are you what's the question jay <laughs> I'm, I'm just asking i'm just asking how you are <laughs> all right 
But he just asked how you're doing. Oh, doing great, Jay. Doing great. Well, I think but, uh, you're, oh, no, you know. <laughs> well, and that's yeah for all of us. Uh, I, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and you've got your whole family with you. You've got Larry who played for a long time. You've got Blake who's played for a long time and you've got Brooke who's currently playing at the university of Utah for the women's team. I want to get into all of that. Um, but first buzz, tell us about how you got into hockey when it was and where it was. I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it was just something you did in the wintertime. The, uh, the firemen, of all people, would come and flood the playgrounds in the wintertime at the schools. And that's where we skated. It was a big skating rink. We had a warming shack. And we often would, uh, they would, oh, some of the people would, or the playground people would build a hockey rink. But for the most part, we played a lot of shinny hockey on the uh, on the playground. And... Uh, all you had for a goal were maybe your boots that you took off when you put your skates on or a couple of cans. And uh, you just go down there and skate all afternoon and sometimes in the evening they had the lights on. And that's how I got started. Uh, basically, as I grew up, I remember uh, my brother taking me to a high school. One of the first <clears throat> high school tournament games I saw was in St. Paul Auditorium had to be like 1949, not to give you my age, but uh, <laughs> I was just a kid. And I remember, I'll never forget, it was War Road, Minnesota was one of the teams. Saw St. Paul, Minnesota was uh, was there, and that's where my brother went. And uh, matter of fact, that's where Phil Housley oh, came wow. St. Paul and went right into the NHL. But anyway... Uh, that game was interesting because two of the main players were Max Oshie and uh, Buster Oshie. Max was a senior in War Road High School, and Buster was a seventh grader. There was 100 kids in the whole school from kindergarten up. Anyway, uh, I talked to Bob Johnson years later, and he's, he coached that team at one time. And he said, oh, yeah, Max. He said uh, – He'd play up front for a while, then we'd put him back in defense and let him rest. But anyway, <laughs> from, from, from there, uh, you know, growing up and and getting back into it when my kids were little, um, we practiced on outside ice in the Stillwater area. Uh, that's just a suburb, basically, now of St. Paul. And uh, inside ice was was a real privilege. When you got inside ice, you used every minute of it. You didn't stand around talking about coaching, telling kids what to do. You did that in the locker room or before or after the game or your practice. And I remember when I came out here and I started coaching, Joe Rogers always had to kick me off the rink because I I stayed on that rink every second because we were used to the outside ice. Outside ice it's interesting in Minnesota because you go there after work, you coach. Uh, there's may, maybe some snow on there, so you got snow shovels, and you have the kids go around with the snow shovels and get the snow off. You find out who the good parents are. They'll come out and help you. The other ones would sit up and listen to the radio in the car, you know. Uh, interesting. And then once in a while, you'd come, and uh, some broomball people were there, and they got the whole – Rick messed up with straw from <laughs> room. And you know, when you hit something like that, when you're skating, 
Oh yeah. So anyway, that was our uh, early, early um, entrance into coaching back there, and we had good clinics put on by high school coaches. And back there, I don't know if you're aware of it, but youth hockey surround is surrounded by the high school. In other words, if you had Brighton High School, it would be a huge hockey organization. You might have uh, uh, six or seven peewee teams. And out of these peewee teams, you might have, back then, there was maybe one or two travel teams, an A and a B. Nowadays, back there, they've got A, B, C travel teams. And these travel teams would just go around to the suburbs, like around here, be Olympus, East, um, you name them, Alta, Brighton, each of those places would have their own hockey association. And each of them would have their A travel team, B travel team, C travel team, and five or six house teams. So they got a lot of people to choose from. And traveling was not a big deal. You're just driving around the area. I came out here. One of the first things I found out when I got the kids going was uh, travel team you want a kid to try out for the travel team I said well yeah why not you know and uh where do you where do you play well we go to Los Angeles I said what you know <laughs> yeah I go to Denver and I said well that's that's uh that's pretty far you know you got to take off work and all that stuff so it was quite an experience but uh I got into it first I started coaching a house team and and um uh, Marcus Rude, he's an old timer who's not with us anymore, but he was the manager of a travel team. And I think it was Joel that was on there, Larry's older brother. And all of a sudden, um, he had a couple of guys coaching the team and he fired him. <laughs> and he says, you're the new coach. I said, what? You know, he didn't even <laughs> ask me. Anyway, that's how I kind of got started in, in it around here and you know, he saw some of the drills I did and, you know, just stuff that I had. I guess I kept kids busy on the ice all the time. And uh, I was surprised. I'd come out and I'd see we'd have inside ice and a practice and I'd see coaches out there talking for 15 minutes, you know. Yeah, and just wasting ice time. That just didn't work. Yeah. But, so anyway, that's how I got going. And it. it's we can go a long ways from there. It's There's a lot to it. So when you, when you first when you first started coaching in Utah and and you got voluntold that you're going to be the head coach now, did you did you did you kind of see did you have aspirations of oh, I'm going to turn this thing around or did you just think all right well I'm going to give these kids an opportunity did, were, were there did you start trying to plan things out? I had a very busy job. Uh, it kept me very busy, and uh, I wasn't really looking to take on a travel team. But you do what you do. And, yep. you know, that wasn't my uh, goal to come out and coach travel hockey at that point. It kind of grew into it after a while. Okay. So, Larry, this is, this is towards you here. As you're, as you're growing up, you moved to Utah, and now your dad's the head coach. Are you, are you forced into hockey, or are you still passionate? Is this, I'm, I want to play hockey, and I'm, I'm going to do what my dad tells me to do? You know, I, I remember as a kid in Minnesota, um, I, I mean, most Minnesotans learned to skate on a pond. And I was 
I think I remember I was two years old, I think, at one time skating. And um, I got, my dad got me into hockey when I was four. And I, I just remember I loved it from day one. And, you know, he talked about the outdoor rinks. And I remember going and watching my brother play outdoors. And I mean, my mom would probably just hate it because my dad would keep us out there forever all night. And, uh, you know, the pucks would shoot over the boards and I'd dive into the snowbank and uh, chase pucks down. And I mean, I just, I loved it from day one. And and then when we moved out here, um, I mean, it was a whole new world. It was like, well, okay, where do we play hockey? And, you know, fortunately, my dad was, you know, I got it. He found us a place to play and it just kind of escalated from there. So nice. And as, as you guys are growing up there, Buzz, you end up coaching some of the players that first get out of here and your name comes up all the time as somebody that influenced them and helped them understand hockey better. And I just mentioned Jeff Levy is one of them. Uh, and Eric Johnson's another one. These are, these are some of the first kids that ever got out of Utah. Do you remember seeing kids and thinking, these guys are good enough to maybe do something with hockey? I don't know if we talked about those ambitions at that point. It was just being the, uh, just being the best you can. And uh, I remember uh, when Larry got involved in the travel team, you know, it took a couple, when, when he was a mite, they went up to Canada. I couldn't believe it. I didn't go with, he went with the levies, you know. He was like seven, I guess. I couldn't believe they're going up there, but they did. And uh, I think I was an assistant on that team or whatever, but I didn't go. It was too hard to get away from work. Um, when we were, the kids were squirts was when they really started to come on. And they were a good group of kids. As a matter of fact, the, the group before that was a really good bunch. That's the one where uh, Marcus Rude was involved. And uh, I came out here from Minnesota and I saw these kids skating. I was impressed. I mean, there was, uh, um, gosh, Darren Liddell, you probably know. He's been around. He was oh, yeah. he was one of the best skaters I ever saw when he was like 10 years old. And uh, the whole group of Marcus Rude, his boy was Marcus. And Mark Harmon and Rod Robinson, and oh, I, I hate to leave anybody out. They were just a bunch of good kids. And any, anyway, in Larry's group, as they moved up, you know, they were all on house teams, and they used to play against each other on the house teams. And the way it was done, if you had a travel team, you didn't have any competition. Who are you going to play? So the squirt travel team would play peewee house teams and sometimes they'd load up that house team with another extra player or two and that's how they uh, they got better and better and of course they used to have the old abc lines you remember that jay i do remember that yeah house teams they divided the kids up in abc lines so that you were playing against your own ability and that worked out good because when you had a house team game you had uh, your A line and they were playing against the other team's A line and they were all friends because they all played on a travel team together. But uh, when that group was 10 years old, Paul Snow, Corey Furness, uh, Hoyt, uh, Justin Hunter, uh, oh, yeah. 
I, I hate to start naming the kids because they were all great kids. Don't name them. Everybody wants to hear their name. So yeah, Milliner played, you know, and uh, oh, yeah. anyway, we had, we had a great group and uh, we were winning tournaments around the West. We were doing great. And uh, one day Roger Furness, uh, Corey's dad, he said, well, where's, where's some really good hockey where, where the kids could play? I said, well, how far do you want to go? He said, anywhere. And uh, I said, well, you could try and get into that Edina tournament back in Minnesota. It's, you know, about as good as they get back there. It's pretty well known. And he said, well, let's see if you can get any. He says, we'll fly you back there. And Roger was very successful at the time. He had a trucking company. And lo and behold, we got into the uh, tournament in Edina squirt team from Salt Lake City. Some woman said, well, where's Salt Lake? You know, they had 10,000 lakes. <laughs> wow. One of them. But anyway, we went back there and we won that tournament. And it, oh, was, wow. it was kind of the talk of the, the whole uh, tournament back there. How did these kids from Salt Lake City come here and, and whip us? And if you looked at the scores, I got them and Larry's got some of those books. We really outplayed them. I mean, I, I, we outscored them by several goals when you added everything up. And the championship was against a team from New Hope, Minnesota. And uh, I think uh, they were they were really taken back that this team from Salt Lake could come in there. And it was interesting because we, uh, we had some successful people that kind of sponsored our team back then. And and uh, one parent, I think it was Jim Levy, he got through his contacts where he worked. He got us all sweatsuits that matched. And another parent got all the kids cowboy hats that matched. And it was impressive. And we won that tournament. And we went back there a couple of years later. We went back as peewees and... Uh, Guess what? You know, you know, they started catching up to us. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we got so much talent back there, and and it's it's tough. But we we did fine. And as Peewees, that same group in their second year, we were the first team to ever go to the nationals. And that's before there was tier one, tier two. It was tier one, and uh, we went to uh, Ecorse, Michigan, which is. Detroit and the teams were from Massachusetts and the, the one that won was from uh, the Buffalo area they call them the Wheatfield Blades and uh, the coach I talked to him he said uh, we had like 500 kids to choose from oh man that I, I think we cut one <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize about when we're talking about these tournaments when I was coaching, and I, I was lucky enough, I think I coached Blake one year, but anyway, when I was coaching, I, would, um, I wouldn't I would even be the main guy that made my first cuts. I would always bring in outsiders. So I brought in uh, Riley Armstrong and oh, yeah. uh, a, couple of, a couple of outsiders that were NHL draft picks or whatever guys that I knew. And I said, come in here and watch my, watch my tryouts and help me pick like legit team, no politics. And they'd get there and they'd be like, okay, so this is ice session one. Uh, 
the guys would get on the ice and during warmups, they'd be like, well, that kid barely can turn left. And they just scratch his name off the sheet. And I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> not <yet. laughs> yeah, this isn't just ice session one. This is every kid we have to pick from. You can't cut guys. Cause you know, we only have 25 guys. We can't make 10 cuts before we've even dropped pucks. But that's, yeah, you talk about these hockey deep areas and they have a lot more players to pick from. So it's it's impressive that you that you were able to go back into these deep areas and, and win games and, we, and give we these kids this experience. Nationals. We, we beat the team from Toledo. We lost, Our first game we lost to the Wheatfield Blades and that, that team won the tournament that year. Uh, and we scored the first game, the first goal on them. And I think it was... Uh, I think Justin Hunter took a kind of a cheap shot at one of the kids. And <laughs> Weird. And, uh, oh, they were really upset about that. But anyway, we represented ourselves okay. And, uh, but we got there, you know, even though I don't, I think that same year we probably lost some games in Minnesota, but we got out of our region, which was huge at the time. It was Washington State, California, 17, Texas. 17 State. What? 17 states, 17 states. Yeah. 17 states at the time. Jeez. And And we, and you, that 17 states probably still didn't have the talent pool of one city in in Minnesota or, you know, the the amount of tryouts. But we went, we had to, we had to win the Western regionals to go to the nationals and that represented 17 states. And that was California, Washington, Texas, you name it, Colorado. You name it. Yeah, we Impressive. were we were kind of Colorado's nemesis. We would go over there. They uh, they really didn't like us because we would come over there and, and win very often. Those so days, as as these kids got older, when did you start realizing that you you needed to help some of these kids get somewhere? Was was there a point when you're like, oh yeah, that guy? Maybe I can make a phone call, or maybe I can. Did you still have connections to help these guys? Uh, you know, probably one of the best things we did was uh, in high school, the Johnson's, it used to be the Johnson's National Tournament. We took a team back there from Salt Lake City. And uh, it was, you know, the team was kind of picked, not by me necessarily, but by the association. And we represented kids from maybe a couple of kids from Ogden and so on and so forth. But we went back there and, and you heard these big names at the, at, at that time uh, that were in the tournament. And I'm, we still got some programs around and you go through them and you'll see these, these kids who were in that tournament that were pros. I'm trying to, was John LeClaire, was he the one that was there, Larry? I don't John, yeah, <laughs> the Flyers, I think. Anyway. Larry, why does your dad remember so much more about all this than you seem to? Because <laughs> I probably had too many concussions. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, some of these others got stories. If you, if you want more, I could talk all day, but I don't want to do that to you. Well, I mean, that's why we're here, Buzz. We're here to hear your story. We want to hear all the Burns family story. But, I, I you know, it's just – to me, and having your name keep coming up, and then obviously when I started playing, um, my story's been told a million times on this podcast, but my first team ever was Murray High. And, you know, you get out there, my first tryouts ever were Murray High, and I with Justin Hunter, when you keep bringing up his name, I was afraid to death of that guy. 
Like he, as a, as a new goalie, cause I borrowed equipment and Justin Hunter scared me to death. Cause he had a, you know, he was a feisty player and he liked to shoot, you know, about neck high. He was a goalies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, when I got, when I started playing, you were, you were here established in coaching and, and Larry at this point was, was well-established. Larry, I think you're a year older than me, maybe two, but you guys were already a name here. And, and at the time I didn't realize how much of an impact you already had on this area. And I, at, you know, at, at 15, 16 years old, you don't realize that hockey was pretty young back then too. So when I got in here, people are talking, I remember Bill Miller, especially talk, he, he spoke very highly of you and was, uh, was talking about some of the guys around here that could help me develop or would help players get better. But your name came up quite a bit back then. And the more I do this podcast and Gary can attest, the more your name comes up. And when we talk to Matt Brickley and Matt talks about when he was trying to kind of build into these leagues, you're one of the guys everybody seemed to lean on. And is that, it's not just your, your Minnesota upbringing. It's the fact that you're, you know, you're a quality guy and you're willing to put in the time and you're smart enough to, to be able to share some of that leadership and, and those traits with these guys that are around here. So, um, I don't know if you realize how much impact you've had on this area. It, it could be, you know, on that Johnson high school, all-star thing in Chicago is where it was. We took, our, our, that's where Jeff Levy got his recognition, his first real recognition. And I didn't go that year. That was like the third year, but he won the goalie competition that year. The first year we went, we, we even threw in Brian Conowalchuk, who was like 14th at the time to play on the team. So, or that was when uh, Guy Hildebrand was around. I don't know if you knew Guy, but uh, he was a he was an ex-pro, and he uh, the kids loved him. He uh, he was a fun guy. He used to play for uh, oh, what was the team that was was Houston, where the the Howes were on Gordy Howe and his two boys. First year, uh, what was that league, Larry? Do you know? Not the NHL, but the the WHL, the early the early WHL. The one that combined with the NHL. It was a pro. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah it was uh, WHL. Gordy Howe and his two boys were on it. And uh, Guy Hildebrand played on that team. He's a, he a Canadian. Uh, he played at Colorado College. And he coached one of the teams we uh, took back to that Chicago thing. And Brian Conowalchuk was there. I remember Brian wanted to get on the ice. And he said something to Guy. And Guy just say, just sit there. <laughs> I'll let you know. And he did. He went in and uh, he played well. And uh, But he was just a kid at that time. And that's, of course, Steve's older brother. So yeah. I, Brian played at Colorado College for, for four he was years. A De- yeah, he was Denver University. He's, he owned some records there. And then he was a, I think, fourth-round draft pick from the San Jose Sharks and then turned it down to go to med school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And, and just another kid that you coached that ended up getting out of here which is, and then it took another 10 years for us to get another set of players. So we had the initial impact from you and your group around here that got guys out of here. And then my age group group didn't put anybody anywhere. And then we finally got some people to figure stuff out. Um, Yeah. I I think if, uh, if the group of kids we had would have grown up in a, uh, in a, in a real hockey area where they had more and more exposure, I think they would have, done better yet. Paul Snow, great example. Absolutely. Paul played roller hockey for a while. 
yeah. you know, pro league they had in, in Salt Lake. And he was always fun to watch, good player. We just had uh, a good bunch of kids. Yeah, for played. sure. Do you think that, uh, like, it's evolved really, like, how do you think the evolution, it's evolved here in, in Utah since you were here? Do you think it's been great? I think it's, uh, you know, it's continued to grow, but not like they did in Colorado, for example. But the way I look at that is when you have an NHL team in town, it just seems to make all the difference in the world. Look at Phoenix. Um, I, uh, going back to some of these tournaments and some of these hockey schools, let's see. How long ago was it? Uh, Blake was nine years old. He was a squirt. He took him up to Claude Lemieux's hockey camp in Park City. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a uh, a trainer named Boris Durashenko. I don't yeah. know if you can tell that. And Boris is from Ukraine, and he was really a hard case, tough trainer. And uh, he had these kids up there, and Claude Lemieux was there, and he, they brought a bunch of kids from Phoenix. And uh, I looked around, and I said, I never seen a kid skate like that in my life, nine years old. You know who that was? I'm Austin, guessing. Austin Matthews. Yeah, he's got another kid out of his camp, too, that Kyle Keller or whatever, Clayton Keller. Uh, well, Lemieux's kid was there. Um, yeah. Brent, he's, he's with L.A. now. Right. I don't know if he's seen a lot of ice either, but he's been with the Rangers and, and, you know, he's, he's a pro, you know, but, but uh, Matthews was amazing, you know, and uh, he was coached by Boris for years. I often thought how much of an influence Boris might've been on him. And, uh, but he's doing well, he's leading his team in scoring, not in scoring in goals. But uh, I got a little funny sideline to that because I used to help Blake tie his skates. You know, he was nine, he was a little guy. And uh, Boris with his accent said that right in front of all these people, he's, oh, that poor kid, his grandpa has to help him with his skates. Well, I never helped him again <laughs> after that. <laughs> he comes and he tells his mother about this, and I think he probably had a tear in his eye, okay? Maybe <laughs> And this little one was six. She was six. And she was hearing all of this, of course. And she started tying her own skates. <laughs> said so. no, no better motivation than peer pressure. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they have a lot of stories about Boris. But uh, Austin Matthews coming out of Phoenix, Arizona. What can you say? And the same with... Uh, Lemieux's kid, he grew up, played there, but of course Lemieux got him playing and had him playing all over the place in Canada and for Little Caesars or whoever. But yeah. Okay. So so Blake, let me ask you, um, what's it so you grow up and you have the you have the dad that's a that's a hockey player, and then you have the grandpa that's also the, the hockey player. Did you ever get conflicting information from them? And did you know that you ever had a choice to not play hockey? <laughs> No, no, definitely no, no choice there for me. Like, I, th- I think I, as long as I can remember, I've, I've been skating for sure. So I've been on the ice since I could walk. Like both, both of them have been my coaches. I think both of them were my coaches and my might team. And I, I think they, 
they were pretty consistent. I think my, my dad always would go off with like the rest of the team and my grandpa would, would help me. Cause I, I was a struggle back then. <laughs> Definitely got the, the one-on-one instruction here, but, but yeah, no, I, I think that they've, they've been pretty unified, pretty one-minded when it comes to it. I think kind of came up in that school of thought. So. Did you ever realize like uh, how awesome it was that you had this, that not every kid has, like for most kids your age, it, they were lucky to have one parent playing. And normally they had, you know, their parents didn't know anything about hockey. And here you were, you had, you know, quite a nest egg of hockey knowledge. Did you, did you realize that? No, I, I don't think I realized that until I was a little bit older. But, yeah, I was really lucky. My my grandpa was always the one, like, driving me to all the camps around town or hockey practice, taking me to just the sticking pucks and working on skills with me. And I, I, I definitely know not, not many people had that around here. And I think I was pretty lucky in that regard. Yeah. Brooke's got a picture to show you. This is Blake sucking his thumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want, I want to make sure you send that to me. <laughs> Brooke, you have my email address. Send that to me, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we put that on with the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I used to take him down to the Cottonwood rink and skate him around, and then he'd say, I got to go over there. He wanted to go rest, and I said, where? And it was the penalty box. <laughs> no. we thought maybe his father influenced him on that <laughs> so, so Brooke now now you're you're still playing and now you grew up with the same resources that Blake had and and tell me a little bit about your experience growing up with everyone in the family you got your grandpa your old brother your dad everybody's playing tell us a little bit about your hockey experience so I mean it was kind of unexpected for the family to have a girl and they're like finally someone who doesn't play hockey (laughs) um but then I don't remember a time where I wasn't skating I've always skated I've always been rollerblading out in the front yard and um I mean being a girl I was the only one at um what is it start smart at Murray but and I've played since (laughs) I was like three or four like started around there um but just being a girl I grew up with mostly guys playing so it's a little different for me um I feel like my grandpa my dad fought pretty hard for me to know I'm just the same as any of the guys and I think having them as my coaches too helped the guys realize that I'm just as good as them um like I grew up playing with Dylan Hale and we ended up being really good friends all growing up. And that's because of Tim Hale and my dad being such close friends. Um, It was just nice knowing I had guys playing this sport that still appreciated me being there. And um, it was just nice having them to kind of coach me through that and treat me the same. Yeah. Did you, was there a time where you actually had to say, Hey, I want in or were you just always included? Oh, oh, I don't know. Because I, I can set the, I can set this question up a little bit better. Because I can tell you, my daughter constantly said, "This year I'm playing hockey," and my wife just said, "Please, please don't just give me one person in the family that's not playing hockey. Play any other sport, but let's." My my wife really didn't want my daughter to play, and when my daughter went away to college, she's like, "I could have been good enough to make a team." Like, 
if you guys would have let me play. So she was mad at me for not letting her play. And I, I guess I didn't fight hard enough for her. But happy she, wife, I'm, happy life, buddy. What's that? Happy wife, happy life. Yes. Yes. There definitely is that. But, yeah. And, you know, I, I think if she would have, she asked every at the beginning of every year, and I think maybe she would have followed up on it. We probably would have realized that she was serious about it. And, but she found other sports to bury herself into and, and, you know, the rest is history. But uh, did you ever feel like that? Did you ever feel like, Hey, look, I want in and, and this is the time I'm getting in. Or were you just always part of it? I feel like I was always part of it. At least like a, a foot was dipped in the water. But um, when I was about five, I was doing gymnastics and violin and hockey. And there was a point where I just said, I just want to play hockey. Take me out of the other things. Nice. Um, and I've kind of been the same since. I've done other things since, but hockey's always been where I'm happiest at. And just, it's it's a family thing, and you just feel close to family when you do it. Yeah. I so, love everything. I love everything you just said. The family thing yeah. and that hockey's where I'm happy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what you've got going on with the University of Utah. Um, you have a new coach. Have you had a chance? I, COVID's kind of screwed everything up, but you, have you had a chance to meet your coach? Did you know your coach from before? So Brayden, our head coach, she's awesome. She was our assistant coach last year um, and she got bumped up. She's fantastic. We were all so happy when um, they had her interviewing for the head coach position because um, she really connected with all of us last season and she did a fantastic job. Um, because she did play some college hockey too. So she knows what it's like to be a girl in college and doing all your schoolwork, going to practice, going to games, being out of town every other weekend. She knew how that went. And then um, we have Amanda, which is our other new coach, I believe. And she's awesome too. We met with her. So I'm excited for this upcoming season. It's going to be good. Um, I'm really happy that Brayden's going to be there. Uh, do you know where she played college? Oh, I want to say it was in Colorado. Okay. I don't want you to quote me on it. Okay. Well, I mean, you're on a live show. Or, so I, know, I, know. Gonna, I don't have to quote anything, but um, no. yeah. No, but, but we're not going to hold you to that. I'll do some fact finding and I'll post it. I'm actually doing a story on the University of Utah overall right now. That's awesome. And, uh, uh, Larry, did you you played at the U, didn't you? No, I didn't. My brother did, though. Okay, all right. Okay. I knew one of you guys did. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm doing a story about the University of Utah's kind of had a rebirth this year, and you know, obviously, we all support Morgan and, and everything she's going through right now, and we love her. She's been on the show, and uh, we we just want to offer our support with her. We're excited about that you guys were able to bring in somebody that you already had somebody there that has that kind of experience to carry the torch for the university of Utah. And it's just, that's phenomenal for you guys, but for the men's team, it's kind of a rebirth too. new coaching, new direction. And there was some drama last year with both programs. And it sounds like all of that's been uh, put behind you. And so we're doing a story on that right now and I'm excited. And when we talk about it and we talk about some of the, you know, some of the players that the University of Utah women's team has, your name comes up a lot and local girls' names come up a lot, which is good. It shows that, you know, 
you obviously, I, I, I look to your right and I see a lot of support and a lot of knowledge. Yeah. I see that you were, uh, well, out of my camera, it's to your right. I don't know if in real life that's to your right. It's to our right. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I, I realized the other day that sometimes things get flipped around. But you've had a wealth of knowledge, and it's good to see that that's, you really are one of the top players for you, that that's, that's awesome that we can do that. Because a lot of times our programs, they're local programs, but their top players aren't necessarily local players. So I, I'm, just, I'm just excited for you guys. I'm, I'm happy, and I'm proud of all the Burns family. I'm glad I got to know you guys. And uh, it's just very cool. Um, Larry, is there more? Is there anything else? I feel like I, I didn't get enough time to talk to you because you grew up here playing hockey and you played with all these great guys. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up with some of these guys that went on to the NHL or wow. um, even college out of here? Well, I mean, you've talked to a lot of the guys I grew up playing with. I mean, certainly the Levy boys were a big part of growing up um scotty and i have, have played forever and um paul snow and um you know a lot of our group you know we had a, a lot of really good players but um not at, at that time not many of us got the opportunity to go to play professional or even college so um but we did have a very good group of people and a lot of those those um players I still know and many of them coach or their their kids are involved still and um yeah I mean you get the USA you got the US hockey league back in Sioux City you played yeah yeah I mean I I I was fortunate enough to play in the USHL um with uh I know uh, Paul Snow played a little bit there too and um uh, even Jeff played there. I played against him in Rochester when he played. Um, but that's that's about the extent where I went with hockey. Well, I mean that's huge, though. I mean let's not. That's kind of what I was hoping you would talk about. We don't want to. We don't want to brush over the fact that you played in the USHL and be like, oh, I just happened to play in the USHL. <laughs> I mean that's a huge. That's a huge accomplishment out of Utah. That's. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, um, a big step to make it to the USHL, even back in the eighties when I played there. So, um, and certainly now, you know, the league is a feeder for the pros. So, oh yeah. Yeah. It, it was a good experience, you know, and I was glad to, to share it with others that I had grown up with. Um, Tim Hill's another one. I mean, he, he was very successful and went through and played college in, uh, Wisconsin, Stevens point. So, had a good career. So. Yeah. They, they were a great Division II team. I think they won the national championships as Division II. They had beaten Division I teams, so where Tim played. Yeah. yeah, I need to have Tim on. Tim's the head coach of Murray High still, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. His, his son Dylan played. He's got – I think he has a couple more kids. He has a daughter playing too, right? No, just Maddox is playing. Oh, okay. Well, he's he's pretty young yet, but I know he's growing up. He might be abandoned by now. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's in high school now. He's playing for Murray. I saw oh, them wow. saw them a few weeks ago. Yeah, see, that's that's somebody else we need to have on. And uh, uh, you know, you guys just had some phenomenal players at that time, and and we we need to get them all on and talk to them and, and listen to their stories. I even skipped over our high school days, but we won the state championship back when. Uh, Larry and Joel both played, and uh, 
that was a lot of fun. We uh, which high school was this? Olympus. Olympus. What year was that, Larry? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Back in the day, it, it was in. <laughs> it, uh, it was very competitive. It was against uh, Roger Rugolo and Highland High School, and you know the Levy boys were there, and uh, it was it was a great time. Very competitive back then, high school league, and the old Hygia. If you remember that place, yeah, we pound on the walls, and it was very noisy. But yeah, we won a state championship back then, and. Uh, Joe was a Joe was a good hockey player. He played. He converted over from being a forward, kind of necessarily, uh, on the travel teams. Became a defenseman, and uh, he used to. Our goalie, you know, great kids, but he had like a year or two experience, and uh, Joe would block more shots than the goalie for the most part. And, uh, <laughs> he, was, he he had a lot of fun playing defense. He kind of. He kind of uh, managed the game when he was on the ice. He was a lot of fun to watch. He went to North Iowa, and he made that team, and they had eight defensemen. And he says, I'm not – I'm going to go back and go to school. And he went back to the U, and he played for Lyle Bradley at the U. When oh, Lyle wow. The team, so. Yeah. And they pretty so, back then. So we have uh, Blake's a, a young father, right? We have another Burns that's going to be playing hockey here pretty soon. Oh, probably pretty soon. Like my daughter, she's just under eleven <laughs> months now, so she's starting to look like she's going to walk, and we'll be sure to get her on ice skates as, as soon as that happens. So perfect. So that, yep, Brooks ready to <laughs> Brooks ready to be the influence. <laughs> a- I already am the bad influence. No, nice the bad influence. I like it. Um, Gary, do you have any questions? Uh, was anybody in the family coach uh, outside of Grandpa? Anybody else coaching? Um, I, I did some coaching. I actually coached my kids when they were um, uh, just from when they were little till through high school. I coached seven years at Brighton High School with them. So, yeah, I've been involved for quite a while. Um, uh, how how was that? Did you enjoy coaching? Oh yeah, I I love coaching. I mean it's yeah. I mean it's one thing, you know, to just to see your own kids. But it you know it was always a goal of mine that you know I I want kids to play hockey because they love hockey, and and I try to coach that way that you know that they learn something that they have a good experience. And um, you know I was fortunate to see some of that in my kids and many of their friends. So awesome it's very cool and I, I remember coaching against you and coaching with you and and just uh i just listen to listen to you and know that you've got experience and then you've got buzz's experience behind you so i just always stole all your guys's ideas and try to act like i knew what i was doing when i was coaching and just just steal from the guys that know the best right that's that's what you do <laughs> that was always my plan okay well um awesome yeah yeah and again uh I, I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time and buzz uh and larry i, I just want to thank you guys both for for putting back into the market and and helping so many utah hockey players i mean buzz this goes back 40 plus years for you of of really just taking this market from what you said i mean we we didn't really know what's going on and, and like you and i were talking before we went live 
is there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there now that are benefiting from the stuff that that you have put into this market. And it, you talk about the Hallorans and you talk about the Brickleys, and that's that's not possible without guys like you cutting a path for them. So I just want to – I know I did this for a couple of other coaches that have been on here, but for all all local Utah hockey players, I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Thank, thank you, Jay. And it's always nice to be part of somebody's success or life. I don't like to take credit for anything these kids have done, but I like to be be there to help them. Yeah, and that's that's why you're a good man. That's why you're a good leader. That's what it takes. It's just wanting to help. And uh, Blake, you're going to be coaching soon. Got to follow in everybody's footsteps. We're going to go. We're, I'm going to. We're going to see all of you guys out there at Brooks Games, and then when Brook Rex reps, are you a junior or senior this year, Brooke? I'll be a senior. I start nursing school in August at the U. So. Oh, so you you could actually play a couple more years then. Well, okay. it's just year straight through, so this is my last year of hockey. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Coming to well, a perfect. sweet end. What's that? Coming to a bittersweet end. Yes. That's so sad. Yeah. So sad. My, awesome. uh, I was just telling my son, he's looking at the PhD program at the U, and I'm like, you could play for six more years. Totally. Throw <laughs> in. in. Yeah, you're in. Okay. Uh, once again, I want to thank the, the Burns family. I got to thank the G-Man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, Burns family, I'm going to get a hold of you guys. I'm going to give you free Jersey Mike subs. And everybody that doesn't get free Jersey Mikes should go buy Jersey Mikes because they're nice enough to uh, be our sponsors and help us tell stories like the Burns. Well, thanks very right. much. Thanks, thanks for having thanks, us. Man. All right. Thank you, everyone. And that is it for the Utah Puck Report. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.